Welcome to Seder Stories, the official podcast of Holy Cross Athletics presented by UMass Memorial Health. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Gale. Today, we continue our Crusader Coaching Profile Series with the new head coach of women's soccer at Holy Cross, Ben Graham. He's a familiar face around Smith Stadium. Ben served as the Crusaders interim head coach last spring after six years on staff with the men's soccer team. The sport of soccer or football in his home country has taken Ben all over the world. He grew up in Newcastle, England. He played semi-pro in the UK, won a state title as a high school coach in Maine. He coached in college soccer all over Texas and California, back at Northeastern before making his way to Worcester, which has been home since 2015. Ben, welcome to Seder Stories. Congrats on the promotion. Thank you, Kevin, and thank you for having me today. You worked on Marco Kuhlman's staff with the men's soccer team for many years. What was that conversation like when you shared the promotion news with Coach Kuhlman? Coach Kuhlman was a fantastic mentor and a fantastic role model for me. And when I was offered the opportunity, I think it was one of those ones where he knew I was ready to to spread my wings, as it were. Uh, I'd been an assistant for a a long time. And I think he knew I was ready to, to step into a whole country role. And so he was, he was very, very supportive of it. And I, and I have to thank him for that. When you took over as interim head coach last spring and new athletic director Kit Hughes was joining the college, did that opportunity feel like an audition? It did to some degree. I'll be perfectly honest with you, Kevin. When they, they asked me to fill in, it, it came as somewhat of a surprise. It wasn't something that was on my radar. Um, it wasn't something that I had envisaged, but... When you get a new boss and your new boss comes in and asks you to do them a favor and step into the interim role, you don't turn that down. And I did it. And like I said at the beginning, at the outset, there was no intention of me looking beyond the six weeks of the spring. But I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. And as it went further and further on, we started to have some conversations as to whether or not it could possibly be a, a longer term thing. And, and, and I was really, really grateful for the opportunity that Kate, Kate gave me both in the short term and, and hopefully for the long term. I just read off your resume. You must have thousands and thousands and thousands of frequent flyer miles in your soccer career. How does Holy Cross stand out as a unique athletic program? I think there's certain things about Holy Cross that have kept me here for a lot longer than a lot of the other places that I've worked at in the course of my career. I've I've tended to stay in places for around about two to three years. That was by some design intentional. I wanted to get as much experience in as many different environments as I possibly could, working for as many cultures as I possibly could. And then when we got to Holy Cross, uh, my wife and I found it to be a place that we thoroughly enjoyed. And, you know, there's, it's it's a gorgeous campus. Anybody that's been there will testify to how beautiful it is to, to be there on a day-to-day basis. And I enjoy the community. And, you know, one of the things that I think, I think we need to be better. And that's something that I'm hoping to be able to do uh, from an athletic perspective. But I think in my time there, steps have been taken year on year on year to grow the athletic department and, and to grow the school. And, and I'm proud to be a part of that. How have you seen the program grow the most over the last six years? I think our facilities is probably the biggest piece. You know, the completion of the Luth. When I, when I first got there, we were in the old field house, mm-hmm. uh, which was to some degree like stepping back in time. Uh, and we had a, a, a dingy, pokey little office with no windows. 
uh, up on the second floor. And the completion of the Luth Centre, I think, just made recruiting a little bit easier. We always had the academics. That was never an issue, I think, just from a facilities perspective. Smith Stadium is probably the finest surface that I've been a part of, the, the playing surface. It's a fantastic facility. And then when you walk through Luth, you know, when you bring recruits in there, it's it's just a fantastic place. The indoor facility, the training room, all of these things help you in the recruiting trail. And, and obviously we need we need the quality players in order for us to be competitive. And I think that's what gives us a little bit of an advantage. Because like I said, we always had the academics. But when you match that up with quality athletic facilities, uh, it makes it a much more attractive package. I'm glad you mentioned the natural turf pitch at Smith Stadium because when I cover soccer all over the region, it's field turf almost across the board, which is understandable with our climate here in the Northeast. But what kind of advantage is that to play on such a beautiful surface every day? I think the biggest advantage is because, like you said, Kevin, everybody else plays on turf, so they're not used to it. You know, we we get to train on grass fields and we get to play on grass fields. And, and it, any soccer player will tell you that it's much, much more preferable to play on a natural grass surface than it is on turf, just in the wear and tear that it takes, you know, on the joints, especially, you know, coming from a goalkeeper with coach's perspective, they much prefer to train on grass with the amount of impact they have during their training sessions. I think it gives us a little bit of an advantage when we play teams that aren't used to it. You know, the grass holds the ball up a little bit more. So the ball, I don't know if it does run truer because what is truer is, is it running on grass truer or is running on turf truer because of the fact that uh, turf is more prevalent. But, you know, we also equip our girls with, with two pairs of cleats, which is quite unusual because we furnish them with the soft ground cleats, which is the traditional six stud cleat that we, we wear in England to play. And it gives them a little bit of extra traction. So it's just these little things that hopefully across the course of a year can give us that one advantage, that one slip that might cost you a Patriot League playoff appearance is something that hopefully we can prevent and hopefully is, is going to be happening to the opponents. Let's go back to your childhood in the northeast of England. Safe to say you grew up a Newcastle United fan? I did, Kevin. I was born into suffrage. <laughs> What do you mean by that? We talk about, when I talk about recruiting with, with our players, I talk about passion and, and part of my spiel is, is to ask them if they know the, the etymology of the word passion. And it comes from a Latin word, patio, which means to suffer. And the way I illustrate that is by telling them that I'm a passionate Newcastle United fan and I've suffered my entire life. I'm 47. I've never seen us win a thing. And it doesn't change the way I feel about them. I'll still be watching them every weekend, uh, schedule permitting, and I'll still be buying the jerseys. But, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, over the last year, in the same way that I'm trying to kickstart a renaissance of the Holy Cross women's soccer team, Newcastle have been bought out and are now, I think, considered the richest club in the world. So hopefully their fortunes may turn as well. So maybe in the future I get to celebrate winning both the Patriot League Championship and, you know, I'd be happy with a top four finish. I'm not going to be greedy and say, I want a Premier League title. Let's let's start slow and then hopefully we can advance on to that. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll learn how Coach Graham rose through the ranks from high school coach of the year in Maine to national champ at Stanford. That's up next on Seder Stories. At Fuel America, we've created a place for people to gather 
to share their stories. We are a destination and we are a starting point because Fuel America is not just our name, it's our mission. We are UMass Memorial Health and innovation is something that defines us, that drives us to discover new ways to provide answers and hope, to provide opportunity and access and equity for everyone to redefine what medicine can do and how it can heal relentlessly. Wegmans Meals to Go makes eating well extra easy. Power up with one of our poke bowls or poke salads. They're made with all your favorite sushi ingredients and served over your choice of greens or grains. Pick from shrimp, king salmon, ahi tuna, and more. And poke is just the beginning. Our fresh-made salads, hand-rolled sushi, and other favorites can be delivered right to your door with a simple tap or click. Order on the app or visit Mealstogo.com. Select stores only. Minimum $20 order for delivery. Check availability in your area. Welcome back to Seder Stories. I'm Kevin Gale, joined by new Holy Cross women's soccer head coach, Ben Graham. Now, Ben, you studied law but played semi-pro soccer in the UK and then chose a completely different adventure. How did you make the call to cross the Atlantic and start coaching high school soccer? I was finished with law school and the whole intention of my career was obviously to follow that path and, and become what we call a solicitor in England, which is the you know, English version of a lawyer. And that was the plan. And, and at the end of law school, I decided that I would like to kind of do a little bit of travel. I had done some coaching in England and uh, I decided to take a summer uh, coaching camps and it was just youth camps it's with a company called Major League Soccer Camps that used to bring in a lot of English coaches to, to work their camps over the summer and I thought it would be a good opportunity for me to to see America I'd never been across here and so I actually did two summers back to back after the first summer I thoroughly enjoyed it and my attitude was Let's just do that one more time to get it out of the system and then I'll become a lawyer. And that was 22 years ago. And after the second summer, I just never went back, much to my mother's chagrin. Aw. But it's clear that you found something in coaching. Two years after you arrived, you're the high school coach of the year in Maine. This was back in the early 2000s. Soccer was still fairly foreign to most of us here in the States. How did the game translate back then to your experience from England? I think it was a, a good formative experience for myself as a coach. I was a young coach and, you know, I was, I won a state title at North Yarmouth Academy and it was Class C, which is one of the smaller private schools. But I was very fortunate in the sense that I was handed a very, very good team. Uh, we won that state championship in in the first year that I was there, and whilst I would I would like to say that was all down to my incredible coach, and it was very very much down to the the previous coach who'd been there uh, long term and had, had, had basically established a culture and had established a program that really was pretty much already set for success. So I was very fortunate. But you know, you're right. It was it was the soccer in the states when I first came here. The most common refrain that I used to hear from parents was I don't know what I'm doing I can't help my child because I didn't grow up playing the game they'd all grown up in different environments and it was a very very coach-centric environment 
And so it was nice to educate young people on, on how I felt the game should be played and how it's viewed elsewhere in the world. And I think that over the course of the years that I've been across here, that's the biggest change that I've seen is that those players that were getting coached in the, I would say, late 90s, early 2000s have now grown up and they've had their own kids. And I think soccer players across here now have a much higher IQ and, and, and a much better understanding of the game. And I think also that comes from the opportunity to, to watch the game a lot more. You know, you actually get to watch more Premier League games here in the US on a Saturday than you can back home in England. Just That's right. the lighting issues. And I remember I was telling this story to a recruit yesterday. I remember, I think it was the year 2000 or 1999, where... Newcastle played Sunderland and I was working a, a camp actually at Andrews Air Force Base in DC and I remember sh shoveling quarter after quarter into a payphone <laughs> as my mother held up the phone receiver to the transistor radio which is really aging me as a story it really does so but yeah it's it's, it's developed massively but it was a great first opportunity for me to 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 branch out and, and start my coaching career that's tell that to some of your freshmen and sophomores on the Holy Cross team. They've, they've never even seen a payphone at 18 or 19 years old. So, so following your time in Maine, where you had such an impact on a new generation of soccer players and fans and parents, you take another jump, you go to the college ranks. And this is where I find your path really interesting. These schools could not be more different. Cal State Bakersfield, which if you're unfamiliar, is in the Central Valley, very rural part of Southern California. Marymount College, a tiny, gorgeous school on the coast that unfortunately is about to close. And Incarnate Word in San Antonio. How did those three very different programs and places shape you as a college coach? I think each one of them gave me a different environment and gave me a different look. And, and as I sit here as a head coach, I think the diversity of the experiences that I had have made me a little bit more well-rounded. You know, there's not many things that I haven't experienced. Incarnate Word was my first graduate assistant position. I had the pleasure and the opportunity to work for a fantastic head coach called Mike Jeffries in my first year. Uh, he'd just come out of the MLS ranks. And so... He was a fantastic first coach to work for in the college level. In his, he moved on to Duke to become the associate head coach there. And, and John Smith came in to work at Incarnate Word. And John came in from, he came in from Cal State Bakersfield. And he's ultimately, he's now the Cornell head men's soccer coach. Uh, and again, a fantastic role model and somebody to, to learn from. But John, because of the fact that he had come from Bakersfield, they had vacated that opportunity and then, I went there for two years at the end of my two years at Cal State Bakersfield. I'd, I'd finished my master's and I finished my, my A license, which is the kind of the highest coaching qualification you can have. And again, I felt ready to take another jump. And I went to Marymount, which was at the time a very small, as you said, Kevin, it was a fantastic campus. It's in Rancho Palos Verdes, sadly closed, but it overlooks the Pacific. It's, it was, it was probably the, the most beautiful campus I've I've worked on it and that's that's saying something considering I've worked at Holy Cross in Stanford. But for a view, it was unprecedented. And I got to basically spread my wings there. And that was a fantastic formative experience because I was put in charge of the men's and the women's soccer program. And it was the first time they'd had athletics. They had no structure in any way, shape or form. 
and it was a blank page. And it, it was great for me as a young coach because I basically got to write anything on that page. And sometimes I probably wrote things on there that other ADs would, would just scoff at. We trained at the Home Depot Centre where the Galaxy mm-hmm. and uh, Chibas at the time trained. And I managed to persuade the administration that we needed to train there because it would give us legit- legitimacy from a recruiting perspective. Uh, but it was not cheap. But because they had no <laughs> pre-existing ideas of what an athletic department looked like, they thought that that was how it was done. Um, so I I got to do some things there that I probably wouldn't have, have got to do. And it was um, fantastic to do that on both the men's and the women's side. And after three years, I um, I moved again across to, to Northeastern. But all of these experiences have have, have taught me something different. Cal State Bakersfield was transitioning from Division Two to Division One. Marymount was a smaller school that had no structure. Uh, Northeastern, I was fortunate enough to win a Colonial Athletic Association title there, and 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 that was a sneak into what it was that helped you win. And then obviously that was kind of topped off when. I got to spend two years at Stanford that really showed me what a high performance environment looks like. And hopefully I can bring pieces of all of these programs and all of these experiences into handling things at Holy Cross as we move forward. What I hear is a common thread of enjoying building something really from scratch. And then in 2015, like you said, you made it to the mountaintop in D1, a powerhouse program at Stanford. You're a national champ as an assistant coach. Does that change your approach at all once you get a taste of college soccer at that level? I think it opens your eyes. It opens your eyes to what it takes. You, 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 I think there's a lot of qualified coaches, but what I found in that two years there was it was a real eye-opener and how hard you do actually have to work in order to be successful. And that is what Stanford did. And you walk into that, environment and you just by being there you're just better as a coach because they ask you to perform at a level that perhaps you haven't been asked to perform at before but that's what it takes in a high performance environment and it's something that I've taken it was undoubtedly the most educational experience that I've had not to disparage any of the other experiences but it was a very very concentrated two years and obviously it culminated in a national championship it was fantastic to be a part of. But again, it, I think the biggest thing was it just showed you how hard you need to be working in order to be successful at that level, because everybody's good at that level. I think I wouldn't even say from a talent perspective, Stanford was the most talented team in our conference. UCLA traditionally was, was always stacked with some exceptional players. But one thing that Stanford would not be is they would not be outworked. And, and you know, I, I got to enjoy one, but I think that's undoubtedly why they went on to win back-to-back-to-back national championships, which is a phenomenal achievement for both the players and the coaching staff there. Let's take one last commercial break. When we come back, we'll learn how Coach Graham landed in Worcester on Seder Stories. Hello, I'm Richard Carr of Carr Financial. As a proud alumnus and sponsor of Holy Cross Athletics, I know the importance of making a game plan to set up your team for success. Why should preparing for your financial future be any different? At Carr Financial, our dedicated advisors have decades of experience helping people like you put together a customized financial plan. Contact Carr Financial today. 
and let us guide you toward a life of success as you define it. Call 508-795-0264 or visit carfinancial.com. We are UMass Memorial Health, and innovation is something that defines us, that drives us to discover new ways to provide answers and hope, to provide opportunity and access and equity for everyone, to redefine what medicine can do and how it can heal relentlessly. Welcome back to Seder Stories. I'm Kevin Gale, joined by new Holy Cross women's soccer head coach, Ben Graham. Now, Ben, what was it about Holy Cross that pulled you all the way back across the country from Palo Alto? Obviously, the opportunity to, to work with Coach Kuhlman was one that I was, I was looking forward to. And, you know, whilst I was part of Stanford as, a, as an assistant, I was a volunteer goalkeeping coach. And so it wasn't, I would say, the most prestigious position on the staff and coach Kuhlman was offering me a first assistant position and so the opportunity to come back to the northeast was one that I was looking forward to uh, as you hit upon earlier I, I started here and um, as an Englishman I, I just don't think I'm used to sunshine and it being beautiful every single day like it is in California and I just needed a bit of misery in my life and I needed to be able to have to dig my car out from a foot of snow come February. So all of those things were, were, were attractive as to attract me back to Worcester. Well, if you can't have England, you can have New England. Uh, as, you <laughs> yeah, back, exactly, yeah. <laughs> as you look back on your time with Holy Cross men's and women's soccer, what would you say is your proudest accomplishment so far? Well, that's a great question. I think building the culture up, it, it's taken a long time to get, or it took a long time to get the men to where we wanted them to be. And we made a Patriot League final appearance and I think it was 2017. I, I can't remember the, the exact year. But even at that point in time, I felt that was somewhat of a fool's gold. The team was good, but I didn't think it was where we wanted it to be. And I think COVID actually helped Coach Kuhlman and myself refocus how we wanted to approach the program. And post-COVID, I felt that we came back in in 2021 and we decided to shift our mindset a little bit. We decided to become a little bit more pragmatic in our approach on the field. And we brought in, obviously, a bigger class of, I think it was 13 to 14 freshmen. And we didn't know which way that was going to go because, obviously, if... The freshmen don't want to follow in the direction you want them to go in, then that culture can be problematic. But we had some fantastic leaders in that locker room. Uh, Matt McGonagall, who's a current captain, um, Jack Ostrowski, Max Krause, who was phenomenal in, in leading the programme, and you know Nick Hellman-Rhodes, who wasn't a captain, but had been around the programme long enough to show the kids that were coming in what we stood for and how we wanted to approach things. And it became a much more captain-centric environment to the point in time that we as a coaching staff, I felt, could, could step back a little bit and let them lead the locker room a little bit more. And I feel that translated onto success on the field. And I think last season on the men's side was probably the most rewarding. We started out fantastically. And I think at one point in time, we were eight and three. And we were playing five or six freshmen regularly. 
which is fairly unusual at the Division One level. And, you know, we petered out towards the back end. I think we just literally more or less hit a wall uh, physically. Um, but that, for me, is is the proudest accomplishment. And, and it was the hardest thing, Kevin, about taking the women's job was, was leaving the men's environment, having poured heart and soul into it for six years, and getting us to a point in time where I felt that they're poised for success. And I, I genuinely think one of the hardest parts about the next six or three months is probably watching the success that I genuinely believe the men's program is going to experience. And I'm going to have mixed feelings watching them lift that Patriot League trophy if, if they end up ultimately doing it. But hopefully I can follow suit with the girls either this season or next season or in a couple of years. And your first season with the women's team is already underway. How have you seen the players grow through the early weeks of the season to set you up for success in the Patriot League now and well into the future? They've been fantastic. They've done everything that I've asked them to do. And I'm not a particularly extravagant X's and O's coach. Again, to go back to the Stanford experience, the one thing that I discovered there was they had desire, uh, designed a plan as to how they wanted to play and they basically just focused in on that. And so we make it as simple as we possibly can for the girls. And we changed the locker room signage and it basically just says work hard and compete. That's all I'm asking them to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Can they come in? Do they work hard? Do they compete? Because they're the two things that they can control. And... They've done that in, I would say, 98% of the training sessions and the games that we've had so far to this point in time. And they're coming off, obviously, a year where they went 1-15-1. And when I watch them play, I find it strange that they were 1-15-1 because they don't look to me like a 1-15-1 team. And I don't know what the ceiling is for ourselves this current year coming. But as long as they continue to work hard and compete and grow as a group and grow as a culture, then I'm going to be happy with, with what they're doing for me. Ben, this has been great chatting with you. I think I can speak for everyone in the department when I say we're really excited to see what you can do with this program. Congratulations on your new role as head coach, and, and we wish you all the best in season number one. Thank you very much, Kevin. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me and to anybody that's, you know, willing to listen to this podcast because uh, I wouldn't listen to me talk for this long. I'll be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> well, we got some nice Newcastle United talk in. Set your DVR for Saturday mornings and hopefully your dad will get to see a Champions League appearance. That's, that's, the, that's the goal. That's the hope. That's the dream. Thank <laughs> you very much. Cheers, Ben. Thanks again. That's a wrap on this episode of Sater Stories. If you enjoyed our show, Please subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We also love those five-star ratings and reviews. Those are still the best way to let fellow Crusaders know about our show. We'll be back again soon as the fall season here at Holy Cross hits high gear. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Kevin Gale. Go Cross Go. Thank you for listening to this episode of Seder Stories, presented by UMass Memorial Health. Stay in the loop on all things Holy Cross Athletics at GoHolyCross.com and at GoHolyCross on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go Cross Go!